Well, with it being an election year, I think it's time to get a little political here on this podcast. And I just wanted to say I am not going to vote my parents for president. And here's why. I think a lot of candidates out there are having family members that are supporting them and campaigning for them and will ultimately vote for them. But think about what it would be like if one of your parents were president. Think of any ideas they've ever had in their lifetime that you didn't like. Now they're president and they get to do that. Furthermore, because they love you, they will pass laws that benefit only you and all your friends make fun of you. And then they catch you on camera at the State of the Union just sulking your chair and that doesn't look good for your parents. It all comes full circle. I'm going to change things up a little bit and start with the baseball. We have six weeks until the season begins and with six divisions felt it might be a good opportunity to preview the entire league division by division and I will start with the National League West because that is the one I just happen to follow the least closely and really it's it's been kind of a, a constant division when you think about it the last couple of years you've had the Dodgers and the Giants, and the Dodgers and the Giants. And as uh, as my research has discovered, there actually are three other teams involved in the division. One of them is a team called the Colorado Rockies, which is just in a perpetual state of hopelessness and high altitude and the myth that you can hit a bunch of home runs in the ballpark and still not get credit for it, and then you got to pitch there and you're just bad. So I can't think of any other team in any sport that seems to be at such a disadvantage based on their location. Yet here we are, 20, almost 25 years into this grand experiment of baseball in Denver, and they've made one World Series, and I don't see him making a second one. Another team in there, the Padres, which made a ton of moves last year with, with A.J. Preller, general manager, just bringing in players we've heard of. You know, Matt Kemp and Will Myers. I guess they got John Jay this year. And that strategy might work out because now their outfield doesn't have a lot of letters, and the people that make the jerseys will be extremely happy about that. Well, really, what what the, the the groundwork was laid last year to basically tell everyone, hey, we are a baseball team, we have a roster, and we're going to practice. And I think they went out and proved that. So they'll be in the Division Two. They'll play a full season, and and we'll move on. And then there's the Diamondbacks, who they got Zach Greinke kind of out of nowhere this year, and. That's pretty much all they did. So it may be possible that Zach Greinke will pitch maybe not every fifth day, but perhaps four of every five days. He's got to take a break at some point. And if they do that, I, I could see him winning somewhere between 100 and 110 games. Uh, and, and so, sure, I'll make them a contender. 
which leaves us with the then two traditional contenders, the Dodgers and the Giants. And obviously we got to start with the Giants because it is it is an even year. And they are basically the St. Louis Cardinals that you can't find a reason to hate other than you're a fan of an American League team that they seem to beat three of the last six years. And then you have every reason to not like them. But, you know, they went out and got a couple good pitchers. Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja. You know, rotation looks solid. Buster Posey's there. The infield, everything one looks good there. Outfield might be a little questionable. Who knows? But they're they're right there. They they always seem to find the pitching that makes them a contender. And then that takes us to the Dodgers, which you know at some point you got to imagine that they're gonna take all of that money that they spent on all the free agents, and just be the best team. We, we haven't seen it yet. They've made the playoffs. But obviously everyone's made made a lot, of, a lot of jokes about the bullpen, and most of those jokes were made by me, and I am not ashamed of that. But they are going to probably be break camp with a 12-man rotation. That, that seems to be enough pitchers for them. I like their chances. And it's kind of a toss-up between the Dodgers and the Giants. You know, the Dodgers look good on paper. Giants look good on uh, that really fancy paper that you only find in the West Coast. They're probably both going to make the playoffs. So that's my National League West preview. Now let's move right back to the sport on ice. And this podcast was a day late because of some personal stuff that happened Tuesday night. And maybe it's for the best that we recorded now because the big news that came down on Wednesday was that they announced the Elite 10 lineup and the 10th team selected was Rachel Homan's team. Got shut out of the Scotties because they couldn't win Ontario. And they had some other Grand Slams coming up. But this one's going to be huge for them. I cannot... Think of another time where a women's team was invited to a men's event, and th- this changes things. Now, I saw the Elite Ten last year. I uh, saw a couple of the ends, and it's match plays, so there's a lot of rocks in play. Uh, they've got uh, five rock rule, so there's going to be a lot of exciting facets of that. The fact that you're adding Homan into the mix, playing against basically the best nine teams in the world on the men's side, is extremely more intriguing, and you know, there's lots of opinions out there of how good they're going to do. I, I think they could be one of the four best teams and make the playoffs. You could go the other way and say that they're outmatched, but you know, who's to say? It's all gut reactions, unless you have some data that shows how good Holman plays against these top teams, and there's just none out there yet. But this is going to be really interesting. If they win the Elite Ten, then they are given a spot in the Champions Cup, uh, of which they already have qualified on the women's side. So if, obviously, they win that, you know, what do they do? Do they pick one or the other? They obviously got to pick one or the other, but which do they do? And I've said it a lot, this sport can break down the barriers of the gender classes. And we do have men's teams, we have women's teams, we have mixed doubles, we have mixed teams. 
there, there's no uh, underlying reason why that has to happen other than, you know, every team and every sport does that, where you have men's teams and women's teams. No reason why a women's team can't play a men's team, and, and I, I hope it can't happen more often. Uh, these are all great teams, and, you know, seeing them battle each other is just, it's going to be fun. So, I mean, watching Rachel Holman play the likes of Mike McEwen and Nicholas Hedin, um and Kevin Cooey, I, I think they're going to really be able to hold their own. They make all of the shots the men play. They are superior at the tick shot. They are superior at strategy. They live for big games. They've absolutely blown away all the competition, save for pretty much Jen Hanna, who won't be there. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, with with the uh, with the uh, Scotties going on right now, you know, it it's been fun watching the the Scotties without them. It's been interesting to see some of the new teams out there but obviously the newest team which would be the newest territory which is Nunavut and they made their Scotty's debut in the pre-qualifier now obviously they didn't qualify out which was expected but they beat British Columbia which was extremely unexpected and yeah, they held on to win eight to seven and it was their first game and their first win in in Scotty's history and you know, yeah. When I saw that score come through, I really thought that Nudovit would might would lose something like, um, like twelve to one or nineteen to two, just something really abysmal. It didn't happen. They won eight to seven, and they beat British Columbia of all teams, a, a very good team uh, uh, that uh, first won the pre qualifier round. But they also had to beat Kelly Scott to get there. So there's a lot of credentials there, and. We didn't know anything about Nunavut. I mean, they they had a little bit of experience on the the Canadian mixed champions. Uh, some of them, at least some of them, did. But you know, you kind of had to wonder if this is some sort of mystery Alaska uh, stuff going on, and they were just practicing against you know the the other team on the other side of town for a whole year before coming down, but. Uh, really exciting, and, and it's always nice to have an extra team that that's uh, you know adds some diversity to to the whole sport. And it's too bad that they have to. This is their moment all year. They come down, they play three games, and they're done. So what is apparently on the table for 2018? Well, they're still going to do the relegation next year. Is that they're thinking of doing? doing away with the pre-qualifier round and then just doing uh, pools of eight. And so everyone plays each play, they play seven games uh, and then, and then they, then they have the championship round from there. And that might be more fair. That way everyone is not done on Sunday uh, or like a week before the championship happens. It's not a bad idea that, that gets you to 15 teams though. And the 16th team is, you know what? Who knows what's going to happen? One of the things that uh, the the TSN article that I read said was maybe they do the winner of the Canada Cup to go in there. And my only problem with that is that would ostensibly make one of the provinces. Let, let's say Rachel Homan won the Canada Cup. I forgot. I have to look up who won the Canada Cup. But let's say she won it. Then when she gets to 
the Ontario Finals, basically Jen Hanna's playing for her spot, Rachel Homan's not. And you don't like to see that. You you want the you want full drama on on the provincials. And well, really, when you think about it, Hannah's not even playing for her spot. She would be the Ontario representative since Homan already qualified. So here's my idea. Listen to me, Curling Canada. You take the 15 provinces and territories and, and Team Canada. Those are 15. The 16th team is a pre-qualifier round of the four highest-rated provincial runner-ups. There you go. Because you think about it, I'm, I'm watching British Columbia, for example. They're just getting. They, they seem like they're they're tired, and they're a good team. But obviously, they have they had to play four extra games before they played eleven more. That's fifteen games in in a week and a half. That's a lot of curling for a team like that. It it it's not. They're already on the uh, not not an even playing field. But then on the the Runners-up that are our highest ranked, they're maybe more built for a longer stretch and could overcome that. Plus, you are getting, you know, if, for example, this year you, you'd have Val Sweeting, Rachel Homan, and Stephanie Lawton, and, you know, someone else. Those four play for one spot. I think you'd have some interesting games. You could sell tickets. You could televise it. And it would be more fair, and that would be like your wild card team. So just once again, here I am sitting here on my couch, and I have just solved all of Curling's problems. And that's all I really ever want to do in life.